0: So the question, the question, it's a great question, actually. It's a great question for this morning as we, you know, we kind of wrap all this up and we've got more that we're going to pray over this morning. We're, we're talking about worship that extends the heart of God. And the question is, what does God want from us? What does he want from us? What does he want, right? Um, the first five verses of Isaiah 58 basically kind of start with that question in mind and I want you to hear these first five verses Isaiah 58 he says shout it aloud don't hold back raise your voice like a trumpet declare to my people and he's talking actually to the prophet when he says shout it aloud He's saying to the prophet don't hold back declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. That is what you call some holy sarcasm right there. They ask me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near them. In other words, impatient for God to come near. Do it the way I want you to do it, God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it? We've been fasting for five minutes. Come on, God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? In other words, only a day to, to do the stuff, but not letting your heart get broken? Is it only for bowing one's head f- f- like a reed or for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? And th- The message version says, is this how you show off humility? Isn't that a great? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Yeah, that's, that's Isaiah just wham. He's not going to, he's not pulling any punches right here. Speaking for God, he confronts the Israelites with this one hard fact. They are going through the motions to be religious, but they're completely missing what makes good religion. And there is such a thing as good religion, but they're missing it. It's almost like the prophet sets a scale in front of them. One, um, the, you know, the scales that have two sides to them. And, and, and one side, he sets uh, how they treat spiritual disciplines like fasting and prayer. And then the other side, he sets how they treat people and even how they treat God and the stuff they do for show. And, and, he, and when, he, when he weighs it all together, he, he realizes they're lacking. It doesn't balance Who they say they are doesn't fit with how they spend their days or live their faith. They fast, they ask God for his opinion on issues of justice, they humble themselves, they wear long faces and long black robes and all of it's because something in there wants to know God, wants to do what is right, but they never get there because their motives are wrong. Isaiah sees what is in the balance and he weighs the evidence and he says, is this what God wants? And then, he, and then God answers, verse 6, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? And I want you to hear f- straight off the bat, he's not saying, I don't want you to fast. He's telling us what fasting ought to lead to. He says, is this not the fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you will call, and I will answer. You'll cry for help, and I will say, here am I. So he's not saying he doesn't want us to fast. It's not it. He's saying that the kind of fasting that pleases him will lead us out into the world with the heart of Jesus. So I have to tell you, I've been dying to get here this morning so I could tell you about where God is showing up right now. But to tell you where God's showing up right now, I have to take you back to 1970. Back in 1970, Asbury University, the, the undergraduate college, experienced a revival. I've told you about this before, but I've got to tell you again because something's happening. So... Um, uh, one day in chapels, Asbury Seminary is the seminary that, that Chris, Chris went to, that I went to. Heather is uh, em- enrolled there now. Catherine Riley, our summer intern, she's at Asbury uh, Seminary. The university's across the street in this tiny little town called Wilmore, Kentucky. And back in 1970, the university, the undergraduate size, um, experienced revival. One day in chapel, the, the Holy Spirit just descended. The, the guy who was preaching that day just stood up and he said, I don't think I feel like preaching today. I just want to tell you some places where I am really missing the mark with Jesus. And he started confessing. And then after a while, he invited other people to come forward. And somebody stood up and they started to confess too. And, and, then, and, then, and then it just sort of poured out. And, and they were there for 100, what was it, 195 hours So we're gonna be a little late today, but not 195 hours late, okay? You might be here for a few extra minutes, but not that long. So it was, people would later say it felt like the the Lord walked in that day, like the Holy Spirit descended. And it was not chaotic. They said people didn't speak out of turn or yell. Nobody was falling out. It was just this quiet, deep, almost overwhelming presence of God that humbled the people in the room. And his presence led first to repentance. I want you to remember that. That's important. And then to worship. And folks would later say that the power of God was so present, so real, that time itself seemed to collapse. People would just stay there for hours and it would feel like just moments. And it, it was 185 hours that it went on. And then even after the initial outbreak ended, it, it just kind of rippled out into the world. Churches all over the country were beginning to experience revival. And and, and before it was over, something like 130 colleges or university campuses were, we're having out the same kind of outbreak, and people were repenting all over the place. Missionaries got called during that time. Pastors accepted their calling. It, it impacted hundreds of churches, and thousands of people got saved. People would say just walking onto campus during those days, it was like they would be overcome by Conviction. And that was the primary work of this move of the Spirit. It was confession. And folks folks who study revivals will tell you that an intentional going after it kind of prayer effort that that leads to a deep spirit of confession. Those are the marks of a significant move of the Spirit. And and once the Spirit descends, the agenda leaves. So I'm telling you about this one that happened in 1970 because it's happening again. This is really exciting, y'all. Last Wednesday at Asbury University, you're, asking, you're thinking, well, why in the same place? Well, because sometimes when there, you found water in a well before, if you dig a little deeper, you find more water. And that's what God seems to have these places, these wells, where he can find water. And so he keeps coming back to this place. This is where the holiness movement was birthed, right on this very ground where this is happening. is where the holiness movement was birthed. Last Wednesday, they had this chapel service, and the guy who stood up and spoke. He talked about confession and repentance and how that leads to, leads to serving God out in the world. And people began to come forward. it wasn't like anything miraculous. It was just like people began to come forward and, and worship ended, but nobody wanted to leave, and worship kept happening and, then, and and people left. people left and went back to class. But when they heard that, that worship never stopped, that chapel never ended, they started wandering back over there by the end, by the middle of the day on Wednesday, they were canceling classes. Chapel never ended. Chapel's still going on this morning. Something like 96 hours later, Wednesday Chapel is still in session. And people have started to hear about it. And they're, they're getting in their vans and their cars and they're driving over there. It's, it's, last night it was standing room only in this chapel that, 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 that seats 1,500 people. And that doesn't count the, the choir loft, which is also packed. There's people standing room only. And there's confession, and there's testimony. Show us the video. Can you see it? Or did we already see it? There it is. Yeah, this, is, this was like Friday afternoon. And people all over the, the, the chapel just holding on to each other, praying for each other. All day, I mean, not all day, but ever since this has started, Catherine Riley has been texting back and forth with me. And she said to me, she said, every time they call for prayer, I'm amazed by the response. You'd think we'd run out of willing respondents already. There's just a desperation matched with the care of a ton of people wanting to intercede for other people. And God is faithful for that. It just keeps coming. And everybody who has talked to me about this, and I've been texting all my friends and the chaplain at the the university and the chaplain at the seminary, I'm just trying to absorb it. and It's all I can think about for the last few days. And they keep saying his presence is so gentle, his presence is so kind and his presence is palpable. I heard somebody say just either last night or this morning that they stepped into the place and it was like it was like walking on water in that room. I thought about how people could keep ending up at the altar but after what was then more than 40 hours, 8 hours of prayer. That was Friday and I believe it's the nature of real repentance and the fruit of surrendered hearts. You know, you find out when you start to really take repentance seriously that it, it's not that, that's, that rabbit hole is not just some little dent in the ground. It's a hole and you, you drop into it and you find wounds and you find pain and you find stuff you've done that you've never acknowledged that you've done and you find tons of denial. You find hurt down in there. And it takes time to drag all that out and get it out of your soul so you can go and serve without dragging your baggage with you. My friend Matt Reynolds made some comments about this revival. He said, it's a beautiful reminder that God can break in at any moment among ordinary people on an ordinary day, If our hearts are repentant and hungry for his present. And and that also said correctly, I believe. Our younger generations are teaching us what real spiritual hunger looks like. They're not satisfied with a polite church game. They want the real presence of God. Sure, many have abandoned the faith altogether, but those young people that remain or who are just discovering Christ are more hungry than many of us have been in generations. And I need you to, to, to know that this group over here, before worship ever happened today, they were standing right here praying over your worship experience. The students in the room will lead us to revival. I am confident of that, my friends. I am confident of that. And you know what God said about the people of Israel? I didn't pick you because you were huge. In fact, you were the smallest tribe of all the tribes. But you're the ones I chose. So parents, don't stop them. Don't stop them. The preamble to the kind of justice that ushers in the spirit of God is repentance. It's repentance. So what does this have to do with missions and extending God's heart? I'm going to tell you that when we begin to pray missionally, assuming that we are praying for the ones who break the heart of God, we're praying for, we, here's the question, are you praying for them to change? For the circumstances to get better for them, or are you praying that you will change, so that you understand where the, where the the neediness of every single one of us? Repentance keeps us from entering into mission with a perverted sense of our own superiority. It keeps us from an us-them attitude or from the delusion that somehow we can fix anybody else. (laughs) Because here it is, newsflash, you cannot fix anybody else. You'd probably need to say that to somebody right now. You cannot fix anybody else. Catherine tells me that she's been witnessing this Move of God and Wilmore. I've, I've, I've told her, Catherine, you be in that room as much as you can be because this will last you the rest of your life. She is getting her seminary education right now. And she said, she said, as she, as she sits there, there's no shame or heaviness. No defensiveness or trying to slap on a, well, nobody's perfect, or you're doing your best. Just recognition and repentance. Jesus and joy. The whole room just feels very free, she said. There's a lightness, even around the confessions, around the prayer, around the crying out. Catherine Riley stayed in that auditorium and prayed for Mosaic all night last night. She prayed for you. Yeah, in Scripture it says, if I don't don't show up, the rocks will cry out in my place. I'm saying to people my age, not to you, but to people my age, if you don't cry out, the next generation will cry out on your behalf. And they will not stop, friends. Friends. Until we are filled with the Holy Spirit. They will not stop. I don't want them to stop. You, you know, I actually talked about this whole thing. Um, Isaiah 58, what it means to, to worship in a way that extends God's heart. I actually actually uh, talked about this our very first worship service on February 23rd, 2004. That was our first worship service. We're just about to hit 19 years next week. On February 23rd, 2004, we talked about the nature of worship because I knew a lot of folks coming to Mosaic the first time would, would, want, would make their choices about church based on what they experienced that day. So I shared some thoughts of, on Isaiah 58 and on Mark chapter 12 about a scribe who came to Jesus one day when a, a bunch of religious people were sitting around talking about what it means to, 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 to be part of the kingdom of God. And the scribe Ask Jesus pretty much the same question Isaiah is asking in chapter 58. Because Isaiah watched the people of Israel fast and pray and carry out all the requirements of the law with religious precision. And he came away asking, is that what God wants? And that scribe, that day with Jesus, came. And he walked up to him and he said, he said, what is it that God wants from us? And Jesus said, it's simple, really. There are two commandments. The first is the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love him, adore him, worship him with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second one comes out of the first one. So it's always kingdom down. Our theology is defined first by how we adore God, worship God. All our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And then out of that, out of that, love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments flow out of those two. And so if you get those two right, the rest of it will take care of itself. That's what Jesus said to him. And the scribe was impressed with the answer. And he said, you're absolutely right. Loving God, loving others, so much more important. Than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's the way he put it. In the first century, burnt offerings and sacrifices was the way you worshiped God. Those were worship behaviors. And so he's basically saying that genuine heartfelt love for God and others is more important than getting everything exactly right. And Jesus said, You got it, you're on your way. The guy asking the question was a scribe. Scribes had two major functions in the first century. They taught the people to read the Bible, and at that time they were the only people who taught reading at all. So they were basically GED tutors. And they were the ones who judged disputes that, ro- uh, that arose over how the Jewish law and culture, you know, when people would come to them and say, Is, you know, who's right about this? And and they would judge based on Jewish laws and culture. So here was a man who based his whole ministry on making sure things were done the right way. And he was talking to Jesus, a man who spent his whole ministry making sure that people did things with the right heart. And on this question about what really matters to God, they both came down to this. You got to love God with your whole, he has to be over all of it. You have to believe that God is worthy of your worship. God as he is. And out of that, love. Love. Just love. In other words, the litmus test for what we do in here is how we act out there. That's how we know if our worship is real. That's how we know if the people of God are really worshiping him. It's not primarily how we act in here. It's how we act out there because we've been in here. And that will be the litmus test of this current season of fasting and prayer at Mosaic which is spreading across north of Georgia. I have never had, I have never had a fasting and prayer project spread like this one. Friends, I'm telling you, God is on the move. He's on the move. I could feel it before I went to Cuba. Like there was an acceleration happening. And I find it just ironic That at a time when we in North Georgia have been told to put things on pause, God has chosen to accelerate. (laughs) Coincidence? I think not. So come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. I don't want revival only to, 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 to be owned or to belong to the next ones. I heard I, a dear friend, elder in the church, 70-some-odd years old, he said, this is not my revival. It belongs to that generation. And in some ways, I get it. I don't want to mess up what's happening in that, in that uh, chapel. But friends, as far as I can tell, I'm going to live forever. So if that's the case, I'm still a young whippersnapper. And I want to be in it. Do you want to be in it? Do you want to be in it? Or do you just want to come to church? Lord, Lord, is there not a blessing for us too? Is there more for us too? Jesus. This is what Isaiah says to the people of Israel. Not that fasting and worship are unnecessary, but that the end result of true worship, when we're firing on all cylinders, is not just putting our hands in the air, but getting our hands into the world. It's, it's sharing our food with the hungry and inviting homeless people into our homes and putting clothes on folks who can't afford them. And it's like what Catherine says. There's no shame, no heaviness, no defensiveness, no trying to slap a whale well, nobody's perfect on it. Just recognition and repentance, Jesus and joy. <laughs> Good worship extends the heart of God. So let me ask you, does your attendance here on Sundays change the way you approach the world around you? Go back to Isaiah, I don't even need these. Go back to Isaiah 58 one more time. He says this, I'm reading, I'm going to read you a version of the scripture called The Message. He says, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm mind strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build new, rebuild foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. And when he says fix anything, he doesn't mean that you're going to fix people around you. He means that you can fix systems through your prayers, through your care, through your love, you can restore old ruins rebuild and renovate make the community livable again oh friends i was with the the president of the chamber of commerce the columbia county chamber of commerce last week he's from california and he's a follower of jesus and he said you know we've been looking we we don't see a prayer breakfast happening in this city I said, well, there is a prayer breakfast. We've had it a couple of times. There's 30, 40 people show up. And he said, no, I'm talking about thousands of people in Los Angeles. We did a prayer breakfast and thousands of people showed up. And we did it again in Sacramento. And I said, come on, let's do it here. So we're going to do us a big honking prayer breakfast and get the, and get the, the, the government and the business world praying together. And churches will be invited too. If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day is a celebration. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, do you hear me, Church? And you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I will make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor, Jacob. Yes. So What we get out of this depends on what we bring into it. What does God want from us? What does God want from us? I want you to stand, if you will. Read this together. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? to act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That, my friends, is good religion. And that's where good worship leads. And here we are, a missional community, where worship has always been, even from the very, very, very first worship service, about loving God and loving people. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.